Hey, welcome to Two Guys in the Bible. My name is Dylan Keniston. Um, I'm here with my co-host, uh, Eric Leupold. Uh, this is a conversation about uh, theology, the culture, and God's Word. How are you doing this morning, brother? I'm doing great. How are you, yourself? I am doing well, and we are on the cusp of October, Yeah, which is exciting. We're here sitting in uh, one of the offices in, at Hilltown Baptist Church recording, and it is uh, September 30th, bright, beautiful, sunny day. I love fall weather, by the way. I was just talking about that with Emily the other day. It's like totally our both of our favorite season. I look forward. I I bought some uh, some things to use, like skewers to use for uh, hot dogs and for marshmallows. Excellent. I look forward to uh, doing that shortly. Excellent. A little fire pit. Roasting some some Make marshmallows. Some Do you put the marshmallows on the hot dogs? No, that'd be disgusting. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I make a s'more out of a hot dog. Okay. No, that's also disgusting. That's also disgusting. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I love it. Well, well, listen, I mean, in the spirit of fall, like, it was funny. I actually just went, um, we, with our with our work, we had a little trip. We went apple picking. It was a lot of fun. Um, but we got some apples. We got some cider. It's it's fall. And every, it's, you know, everybody is um, going to be enjoying the change in the season and the change in the leaves. And, you know, it's a beautiful season. Um, one of the things that comes up a lot in this season, though, is, you know, we are looking towards Halloween, towards the end of October. Um, and I know that it's one of those conversations when, when Halloween comes up, you know, sometimes, the, you know, the air gets a little bit thick uh, when we're talking with Christian brothers and sisters. You can kind of, you know, cut the air with a knife. It can get a little awkward. Um, so, I mean, we want to raise that, right? We want to just hold it out and say, okay, so we're talking about Halloween today. And, you know, yes. as, a, as a holiday, is this something that... Um, trips us out as Christians. Like, is this something we, I, you know, I don't remember who it was. My, my wife was telling me a story the other day about there was this Christian family that she knew when she was growing up. And on Halloween night, they would turn off all the lights in their house mm-hmm. and they would all like, she's the way she described it, like they would all go hide in the basement to make sure that like trick-or-treaters didn't come and like knock at the door. They just did not want to participate. Like there's just mm. a heavy like conscience issue around it. Mm. Um, it was kind of like there was a stigma if you would, you know, if you were a Christian and you would participate in Halloween. On the other hand, you know, I've 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 known if you know a couple of Christians who, you know, maybe are going out on Halloween, you know, and they're dressed up in ways that maybe they shouldn't be dressed. You know, they're dressed up like a demon or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, and they're like, oh yeah, freedom in Christ, and, and you know, it's just freedom in Christ. You know, uh, free from the law, happy condition, and and here we're going just do whatever on on All Hallows Eve. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like how how should we be drawing lines faithfully, wisely? Um, you know, when we're talking about Halloween, is that something that is this just a conscience issue? Is there a kind of a clear cut line in the sand where we say, you know, no, or we say yes? Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think it'd be good to, I'm just thinking here, as far as like getting some cultural background as to what is Halloween or what was it? Like, oh gosh, by all means. Yeah. So I was trying to do some research on it. So I don't know if you can back me up on this or if you have some knowledge on it, but I got your back, man. Yeah. A lot of the articles I've read, they it was kind of murky as far as the history goes, but it seems like it it originated as like a end of harvest festival for the Celtic, that would be Irish, Scottish, or the ancestors of the Irish and Scottish peoples. Um, and the idea was that the spirits of the dead would haunt the living on October thirty first. So so folks would leave uh, wine and food out to appease the spirits. And then if people had to go outside the house on that day, they would wear masks to confuse the spirits so that the spirits would 
leave them alone. So, I mean, that's, I guess, the, the pagan origins of it. But uh, another a change took place, um, at least uh, in the ninth century, when Pope Gregory IV, he moved All Saints Day to November 1st. Now, I guess All Saints Day was a day that was, it was like a feast day to commemorate all of the Christians who had been martyred in the church. So that was moved to November 1st. So October 31st is All Saints Eve, which is actually where we get the word for Halloween because Hallows is Holy Saints. All It would be All Hallows Eve, which then shortens to Halloween. Hmm. So the very word itself actually derives not from pagan origins, it actually derives from All Saints Eve, that, that phraseology. Although the practices of food and mask wearing seems like it has some kind of uh, connection to the, the dead, hmm. uh, spirits of the dead there, way back when, way back when. I didn't know that. That's actually super cool. That's interesting. So like, but I wonder, so it's like food and drink, I mean, but what about candy? You know I mean, yeah, like we got some probably, Skittles up in there. And well, like I don't know how much candy they had back then. Pope Gregory uh, loved him some Skittles. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know maybe about that. Did, maybe Reese's peanut butter cups. Ah, he yeah. wasn't a rainbow guy. No, not really. Not, not taste the rainbow. No, but uh, I think, uh, I don't know. I couldn't find exactly, or I didn't really get a chance to take a look at when it came over to the United States. I met, I think it was uh, with, the, with some of the waves of immigration from, um, from Ireland to Scotland. Um, and I can't put my finger on the specific dates of that, uh, what, whether it was the 1800s or 1900s, but, and then eventually it somehow, somehow seemingly adopted the, the candy aspect to it hmm. um, there. And so now what I did find out, though, is that I think aside from, I think aside from Christmas, this is the most money spent on candy in the entire year is on Halloween. It beats Easter. So it, I think ah, it beats Easter. I think that? it is. Interesting. Don't quote me on that though. I know it's like like it's on the top of the list. I, I guess that makes sense. Second or third for candy sales yeah. in the United States is is a Halloween mm. for candy. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because its whole central purpose yeah, is the candy. Is candy. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 So whatever whatever origins it has, whether pagan or or Christian, now in our culture in America, it is strictly secular. Mm. It's about eating candy. And dressing up in either inappropriate, well, for some people, inappropriate attire, and for some people, celebrating or glorifying death hmm. and the and the demonic, mm -hmm. um, things like that. So that just seems like the context that we're that we're in there. So, like, what's the controversy? So it sounds like if we're if we're celebrating the memory of martyrs on All Saints Eve. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what, why is it that uh, some Christians... So, like, for me, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, I mean, I grew up celebrating Halloween, and yeah. I dressed up as, like, Aladdin when I was a little boy, and I would go out and... You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that that would fly today for different reasons. Yeah. But, but like, you know, I would go out... You, and, you look like as a Muslim Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, just cultural <laughs> appropriation and all that, right? Oh, well, that's true. I don't want to offend do anybody. No, don't offend him. But, but yeah, when I was like, you know, four years old, I'd dress up as, you know, Aladdin. I'd go out and get, get a big old pillowcase and mm -hmm. get some candy. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a little thing, too, where, like, I had a, I would prepare a riddle. Mm -hmm. And I would tell the person, I was like, if you can answer my riddle, you know, I'll just get the standard candy. But then if you can't answer my riddle, can I get double the candy? That's interesting. Yeah, and a lot of that was like— I can see you doing that. Yeah, it's like I, if, if, they, if I lose, I win. If I win, I win twice, right? It's fantastic. Clever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, for me, this was just never really, like, an issue. So uh -huh. 
you know, when, as I got a little bit older uh, and started, you know, moving, you know, converted to Christ and gave my life to him and started, you know, moving in, in Christian circles. I mean, I was still, still, you know, obviously like a, a lot of friends and family who are not themselves believers, but now just being exposed to this whole other perspective on this where it, it, it was an issue. Like if you wanted to celebrate Halloween, it was like, there was a stigma about it. You were kind of like, you know, oh, you, you young in the faith Christian, you don't understand that this mm-hmm. is a demon's holiday and, you yeah. know, we don't, we don't do this as Christians. Um, hmm. So I don't know, like, hmm. that was new to me. I just had not considered yeah, that. I, I grew up in a, uh, in a Christian home, so, but I remember we did, we did do trick-or-treating. I, you know, I've dressed up Ninja Turtle, dressed up one oh, time. Oh, I did Ninja Turtles too. Yep, hey, I love Ninja Turtles. Hey, amen. My favorite was Leonardo. <laughs> Sames. Oh, love okay. It. Love a katana blade, that's for yeah, sure. Love it. But uh, uh, I guess I never really thought much of it until... Not even, not even when I became a Christian for the first, you know, when mm. I became Christian. So I didn't even start thinking about it really critically until uh, later on. And, and in college, I mean, that realm kind of changes things because Halloween just ends up being an excuse to uh, dress inappropriately yeah. and partake of things you shouldn't be partaking of as a, you know, as a Christian, certainly. So uh, that would be another aspect of it um, with there. And I guess... Now, um, being married, having children, Renee and I have had to think about, okay, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do with our kids? How are we going to approach this issue? Now, uh, uh, I do understand that there are people out there that do occultish-like things and perhaps think of Halloween in some kind of dark spiritual power kind of way. Um, I didn't really come out of that. Uh, myself, although in middle school I did dabble a little bit into occult uh, mm. uh, witchcraft and things like that. And that's mm. a whole other discussion for another time if mm. we want to have it. But uh, I was definitely out of that phase of life, mm. that, that uh, wicked phase of life, uh, uh, by the time uh, I graduated high school. <clears throat> so I guess the question comes down to, are we... Are we encouraging some kind of sinful behavior by participating in Halloween and in trick-or-treating or dressing up? Um, are there aspects of it that are not redeemable, that, are, that, that clearly need to be done away with? Mm. Um, is every aspect of Halloween redeemable? So are some redeemable? Is the whole thing redeemable? Or is none of it redeemable hmm. and and which ones like how, how far would you go yeah i mean this is i guess the same idea with any kind of cultural thing that you do uh in life those seem like the questions that we should be i mean what do you think about that there? yeah yeah well yeah I, I would agree i think that's that's the right frame of reference right so like in other words if if there is uh, any kind of part to how all right so so we've we've got this kind of a historical context and we come to you know here's typically how what it means today and how people dress up today and you know within that framework of where we live and move and have our being in america Mm -hmm. in the 21st century and you know um you know people walking down the street dressed up like you know uh you know this demon or that monster or or that you know uh entity of death whatever whatever it is um you know is that is that something that's that's redeemable okay so like in my mind um and again i'm i'm totally i hope to be teachable on this (laughs) because like i'd 
I, I don't know. It, it, it partly, in my mind, comes down to a conscience issue in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things I think we can say are pretty clearly out of bounds, right? Like what? Yeah, okay. So things that might be clearly out of bounds, um, I think there is a danger. Um, I think this would go for both like men and women of like kind of maybe like over-sexualized um, costumes. Yeah. So, right? so that's, yeah. that's not helpful, right? Just in the culture generally, it's just not helpful. Um, and I think that we can say, okay, here's something that um, you just generally in kind of how Christians behave and, and, you know, having Christ as our Lord and how that works itself out with respect to kind of our bodies and how, how our bodies yeah. interact with other bodies in society. I think like that's a really interesting subject. Um, but I think that, you know, when we, I think it is easy to over-sexualize costumes nowadays. I mean, yeah, if you're, gonna, you're not going to wear a sides. scantily clad outfit any other time of the year. Yeah. What makes it okay to wear a scantily clad outfit that day? Right. It right, doesn't right, make right. it. The day doesn't make it holy. Yeah, yeah. To wear those things. It doesn't make it okay. Right. To do the, I mean, it's never okay to sin, right? And if that outfit is uh, a flaunting and an inappropriate attire mm-hmm. causing other people to stumble when they look at you perhaps that would be not good yeah so i think so I, like i think that's kind of one category i that's, think it's so, okay yeah, yeah so i think another category is anything that's kind of glorifying any kind of uh devilish activity okay um it's kind of a broad way of saying it. any kind of demonic dress or any kind of um garb or or it doesn't even have to be like what you wear it could also just be like the attitude with which you look at Halloween. i mean some people dress like pretty um, you know, pretty like they're they're covered in all that. Like it's not like they're trying to flaunt them their yeah, bodies out there. Yeah, it could be like a medieval knight. Or it could something. be like a medieval. Well, but like and and then but they're dressed as some kind of demon. Oh, right? that. Or or yeah. their general attitude towards Halloween is like, yeah, I'm, let's go do an Ouija board outside of this graveyard. Yeah. And yeah. You know, try to contact some dead spirits. Yes. And like so, in my mind, like that's just like clearly. Um, from a Christian perspective, I would think out of bounds biblically. Because that seems like it goes right into the don't consult mediums, yes, spiritists, exactly. things like that. So it's it's actually wrong all the time right. to, to do those things. Right. And so it's just as wrong on Halloween. Yeah, there's nothing about Halloween that says, oh, you get this, you get to do an Ouija board today. You get a today. free pass. Free, pa- free pass on the Ouija board, right? Um, <laughs> so so that's that's not a thing. Um, okay, so, so there's just like two examples where... In my mind, it's it's fairly clear mm-hmm. that Christians are not to celebrate those uh, in, in those ways. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, on the other hand, it's not all that's that's out there when no, you when you go on the street. It's and not even the majority. It's of not it. even the majority of it. Right. The majority of it's like you know somebody like you said is a medieval knight. You know, I I last year I went out with um, uh, we had a, a get together at my at my work, and Emily came out. We went over to a town. That uh, just really does Halloween up big. I mean, they had, they had all of the houses on the block were just really well decorated and lit up, and everybody was out there doing candy. But it was like I ran into a dude dressed like Martin Luther. It was so funny, and I was like, "Dude, you're Martin Luther." I he was like Martin Luther last year, the Reformation Day. I believe that. <laughs> I did. But I was like, I was like, I'm like, dude, you're Martin Luther, and he's like, nobody else gets it. Oh, they I thought I was it. a Jedi when I dressed up. Really? I thought that he was a Jedi. They probably did, yeah. But but no. So this dude was like Martin Luther, and you get like the pirate costume, and you get the this costume, all and the that Avengers, costume. Right. all the Avengers, yeah. yeah. So so as far as the costumes are concerned, I mean, that's in my mind, I don't I don't see that there's like an intrinsic problem with that. No. I mean, and th- the other thing too about like going and getting candy and you know trick-or-treat and yeah. maybe doing a riddle or something like that the kids get to dress up they get some candy like so at hilltown one of the things i know we're, we're doing 
is trunk or treat. Trunk or treat yeah. yeah. So I think this is meant to be an alternative to going like trick it, or treating. Yeah, it takes out the word trick. Yeah, it takes it's out the a word. wicked word. Right, right, right. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I was just saying. Mm. Well, I no, mean, I'm, I'm kidding. I, yeah, well, I mean, but. But, but it's interesting to like think about that, right? So like, I don't know, is is the notion of like, oh, I'm going to try and trick you. Like, there's something mischievous. Oh, deception. Deceptive about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I can see the reason behind that. So that might be so. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing that that. But maybe it's just an innocent switch of a phrase. So, but anyway, I know we do like trunk or treat. And we're gonna have a couple of cars lined out mm-hmm. and they're decorated. Decorated, and we're gonna like kids are gonna dress up and go from trunk to trunk as if it was you know door to door and mm-hmm. and get some candy. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I don't. My conscience personally is not offended by Halloween generally. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I. Yeah. And maybe that's a partly like I said, I'm, I'm teachable on this. I think that might be partly be because of how I was raised. Mm-hmm. This was never a big deal. Is not raised in a Christian home. But I mean, it sounds like you had a similar experience or, or kind of conclusion that you came to despite being raised in a Christian home. But there were some, I don't know, like what for you were some of the kind of hard stops where you were like, you know, this is a non-starter. As a family, we're not going to do X. Yeah, um, I guess maybe at first, and I, I'm, I'm also teachable on this, and, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm growing in my views a little bit, but uh, I wanted to be more... I wanted to lean more towards towards being more conservative, more cautious yeah. than than being just let's just jump in it and see how it goes. Show so, up to the party in a beer can costume. Exactly. So yeah. initially, with our kids, we have elected not to uh, uh, go out uh, trick or treating per se, but we have candy. We keep our lights on. We want people to come to the house. We do greet them. The kids hand out candy. So we're Instead of us being out there more active, we're going to be more passive, but we're going to be, we're going to be uh, interactive mm-hmm. in that regard. And yes, it might be a little corny, but we handed out Hand tracks. Out the tracks, yeah. With, <laughs> I knew that was coming. With our candy. <laughs> oh, praise God! So we yeah. did, you know, we just staple the Kit Kat bar to the track, mm-hmm. and that way it's better. Mm. It doesn't fall. You know, they, they when they eat the Kit Kat bar, they have to. Look at the track. I'm kidding, by the way. I never, no, we didn't staple them. But that being said, is that's kind of where we went with it. Yeah. Now, would I be against it at all to uh, dress up in uh, a modest and a- appropriate a costume and to go out trick-or-treating? I would not be against it. Did your kids dress up when you were staying at home? You know, Did they I ask to dress I don't, up? I don't, I don't think they did. Hmm. I don't think they did. But they could. Yeah. And we have dress-up dresses at our house anyways. Right. I mean, they dress up all the time yeah, just yeah, by yeah, playing with yeah. Elsa or or whoever, Moana, things like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with dressing up. Right, right, right. Right? So, you know, it doesn't make it wrong or right to do it on that particular day. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that's kind of where we're at personally as a family. Okay. Um, hmm. But the question of the day here, you know, as, you know, two guys in a Bible, what do you think are the relevant scriptural passages are there any that can help us with this yeah no i think so uh, so in other words we we want to keep in we want we don't want to commit a, a word concept fallacy right we don't want to say well you know the word halloween or you know the, these no. topics are not there's no nothing explicit therefore the bible doesn't speak to it i mean yeah. of course it does right so so some of the i think broader uh, concepts we might want to think through are um i think just like causing others to stumble right mm-hmm. that might be i know you had mentioned that earlier and i think that that is that's relevant. That comes up, I think, in in Romans fourteen. Well, actually, I was gonna, yeah, that one. If you wanna bring that one up, 
because I also have First Corinthians eight, which I think is First also First Corinthians eight is another big because, one there. Yeah. And let me give you the context of that one. So First Corinthians eight is a very well known passage. It's about the food that's being sacrificed to idols. And so, um, I, I'm I'll read this section here, and then I'll give a little bit of context to it. So here's what Paul says. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know it as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many quote-unquote gods and many quote-unquote lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do eat and no better off, I mean, do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So mm-hmm. real quick context there, of course, you know, Roman Empire, Roman world, a lot of uh, 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 meat offerings to idols in the temples and whatnot. Um, and certainly the Christians would have been coming out of this pagan context. And some of them coming out of uh, uh, eating that food sacrificed to idols, they even though Paul is acknowledging that there's really no such thing as other gods, you know, these idols here, uh, there are individual Christians who coming out of that uh, might be tempted, I suppose, to go back into it, or they might um, feel really like torn or upset if they see other Christians just having at these uh, meats that were sacrificed to idols uh, there. And so, Paul is saying, uh, really, you know, if someone's conscience is weak and assuming that you know that, um, you should not do anything to become a stumbling block to them, basically leading them into sin or causing them to doubt perhaps the faith or to be tempted to go back to their old ways there. Uh, So the context there, though, is, of course, eating meat, sacrificed idols. But I think there's some principles there that do apply in other areas of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one common one that we've heard a lot is, is alcohol. Sure. So someone who came out of, of alcohol addiction, um, I'm not, and I, if I know that, I'm not going to offer them a drink, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm not going to invite them to come out to the bar or anything like that, you know? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, and even though I perp- you know, personally have no problem partaking, uh, with complete self-control and moderation, um, I'm not going to flaunt my freedom in front of them right. so as to either tempt them or to somehow uh, wound their conscience. And so I guess if I were to apply that text to Halloween, it would have to be someone who perhaps was 
uh, deep into occult like pa- pagan like practices, right. spiritism, uh, doing maybe very very horrible dark things on Halloween, thinking of it as like a night of power mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. And in that case, if if their conscience led them to completely cut themselves off from that 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 season, I would not. I would not flaunt them, flaunt my freedom in their face. So, yeah. so if I somehow knew that that's where they lived, I wouldn't go to their house dressed up and like knocking the door, hey, trick or treat. Like, I, if I happen to know that they live there, I would bypass that house. I guess that would be one way to apply that passage. Thoughts on that? There? Yeah, you no, know, I think th- I think that's exactly right. And so I I just brought up Romans fourteen as yeah. a as a a text that kind of runs parallel to mm-hmm. the First Corinthians eight text that you were talking about. Um, you know, Paul says one person may, believes he may eat anything. While the weak person eats only vegetables, uh, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master he stands or falls, and who will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Um, so, so we're talking about meat sacrificed to idols. Then Paul goes on to talk about, you know, for, I, I think there's applicability maybe for Sabbath here. You know, one person esteems one day better than another. Another esteems all days alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So this kind of comes back to some of what, what we were talking about in the law as well, right? You can't imagine Paul saying um, one person considers adultery a fine thing. <laughs> Another person considers adultery, uh, you know, a wicked thing. Let each be fully persuaded in his own mind. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's there are some lines to be drawn here dependent on uh, a lot of factors hermeneutically, like how, you know, what are the, you know, how many texts are, does Scripture speak to this in? What are those texts? And how clear is the forbiddance of certain activities? Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about, like, you know, uh, something like Halloween, there's there's some room for, for some aspects of it, as, as long as, you know, those things we laid out earlier, which are clearly, I think, um, forbidden to, to Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, now, once we've said that, there's some flexibility to conscience, for conscience mm-hmm. sake. But to your point, yeah, you don't want to be like, well, of course I can go and celebrate Halloween. And anybody who doesn't celebrate Halloween, they just have weak consciences and you know, They're a bunch of legalists. A bunch of legalists and forget them and whatever, right? We don't yeah. that's not a Christian attitude either. No. So Christian attitude, I mean, think about how highly Paul reveres the Christian's conscience in these texts. Like yeah. like you were saying in 1 Corinthians 8. Like Paul says, if if my eating meat would cause my brother to stumble, I would never eat meat again. Yeah, it's pretty like, that's, strong. That's strong. Like how how uh, important he pri- how highly he prizes the conscience of his of his brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's something to keep in mind, right? So when we are out there going and, uh, cel- you know, if if you are one who goes and celebrates Halloween, but you know that there's someone, you know, with a kind of background like you described, where, you know, they they practiced, uh, you know, witchcraft for... Ouija boards. Or Ouija boards. Try to summon the dead. On right. And like, ser- like, they really legit were into it. Yeah. yeah. And and they're recovering from that and now in, a, in the freedom that's found in Christ, and they're no longer uh, enslaved to that in, in that way. Now, you know, are we going to, what, go and invite them to, you know, dress up as a witch on Halloween and go out? And come trick-or-treating. Come trick-or-treating, right? Yeah. Like, that. that's just not... That's not it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And... And so this kind of leads us to the next point then. Okay, well, so, you know, should I, you know, should I, should I participate? Let's say my conscience is free. I mean, is it, is it worth my time? You know, should I go out and do these things? I mean, um, and I, I've heard uh, several people put it this way, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's something to consider. It's one of the few, it's, it's pretty much the only night of the year that you can go to a stranger's house and knock on their door and talk to them, and it's not weird. 
it's not awkward. Yeah. They don't look point. at you like a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> it's a good point. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's very interesting, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. And so the, the, I wonder what your thoughts are, Dylan, on this passage, which is sometimes it seems contradictory, but I don't think it is. It's 1 Corinthians 9. It's the all things to all people oh, yeah. passage, which, you know, came one chapter after he just said about food offered to idols. Here's what he says, in, starting in verse uh, 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And so, I think Paul does have some good uh, caveats in all in the statements there. The idea that, okay, I can be as one under the law, but he's very clear to point out that he is not under the law as a as the Jews would say, that they're under the law. Right. Specifically regarding they must act this way mm-hmm. to be justified or to remain in God's favor. And then he would also, in the reverse, say, I can become as one outside of the law, but I'm not really outside the law of God, but I'm actually under the law of Christ. So he's mm-hmm. not saying that he has no law, mm-hmm. that he has no conscience, he can do whatever he wants. He's not... You know, it's not antinomian. He's not, yeah, and he's not going off into debauchery right. with these people. Mm-hmm. But insofar as he's got the freedom to alter his behavior, and we do this all the time too as humans, even when we're not even thinking about it, we will tend, when we're in conversations or at someone's house, we will tend to act a little differently. We'll talk a little differently depending on who our audience is, depending on who the folks are. We might behave a little differently. Uh, uh, to them uh, to kind of, I guess, build those connections. Yeah. Right? To, yeah, to, it's bridge to, building. It's bridge building, right? Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, uh, and there's there's flexibility in that. So, for instance, um, I will have to be more careful to avoid using military terminology when talking to non-military individuals. Mm. But I can, I'm freely able to use different kinds of language, not bad language, but I mean acronyms and things. It's a simple simple analogy when you're talking to fellow military personnel, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a different way of speaking. There is, yeah. If you will. That's okay. Yeah, and even like, it, I think a lot of that too can be, it's so much, it, it's, it is that, and then in addition to that, it's like, it's not just the, like some of the words we use. Like, you know, one example that comes to mind for me is, it was funny, <laughs> my, uh, my wife grew up in a home that was very... Um, generally soft-spoken nobody really raised their voice yeah Yeah. and and it was very like i mean you you still knew if like she's like oh yeah mom or dad was mad i mean we we definitely knew it but just the volume was was fine we went to so my dad and it's what's interesting about that too is like they're they're uh irish by by background and so my my dad's side is very irish as well so we went to um but it, it, maybe a little bit in a it manifests itself differently. So we went to my dad's place, and uh, my my grandmother and my dad. I remember they were talking about what is the fastest route to get from point A to point B, and they were talking about the local roads and the local highways. And is there a light there? Yes or no? And Emily was like, upstairs, like 
she wasn't like afraid, but she was like, why are they fighting? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh no, you know, Michael, you're so, bah, bah, bah. It's, it's go this way. You know, she's just raising her voice. Yeah. And I'm just like, I was like, no, no, no. Like I, honey, they're not mad. That's just how we talk they're in this intense. house. In this, yeah, they're intense. That's just how they talk in this household, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not mad at each other. That's just the way that they talk. And so, you know, when I'm there, she was like, oh, you, you tend to talk a little bit more loudly than you do at home. And I'm like, yeah. well, let's just, that's just, that's that home. That's how they talk. And it's like, and I don't mind. I was raised in that. You know, and it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it bothered her. She wasn't raised in that in that home. So you wouldn't talk like that to her. So I wouldn't talk like that to her. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so I only bring all that up to say that there is certainly flexibility. And, and, and Paul is making it clear. He can... He can act different ways. If he, yeah. if he if he's going to a Jewish person's house, he's not going to bring the bacon. He's not right. bringing the bacon over. He will adhere to whatever. He's free to do that. And if he goes to the Gentile's house, he'll eat the meat. Yep. You know that's that's okay. So I say that. Uh, I think I bring that up. I think it's important to to mention that because um, uh, it is an opportunity for evangelism in a yeah. different way to go to trick or treating to interact with your neighbor, try to get to know them a little bit. I mean, so so I would say take advantage of that time. Mm-hmm. Like don't just maybe grab the candy, run and go to the next house, but you know, try to ask a question. Maybe try to get some contact information. See if you can build a relationship there. And I mean, if you're walking with a whole bunch of strangers to the next person's house, you're probably can you could probably talk to them too. Yeah. Like, "Hey, I see you're dressed up as uh so and so." You know, why'd you pick that out? I mean, yeah, the, you, yeah. There's so many different things you could do. You can even just be like, hey, do you do y'all have a local church that you that you attend regularly? Hey, yeah, you should come check it out over at Hilltown. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, I I love the First Corinthians nine passage. I think sometimes it it gets abused to to excuse certain behaviors. Yeah. But you but I hear what you're saying. That's like, why like, we have First Corinthians eight. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but that's like like I think what Paul is getting at here is that he, there's a flexibility. The way I tend to think of it is there's a flexibility in the messenger, but not in the message. That's right. Right. So like Paul will flex to win the Jews. He has to flex to win the Gentiles. Um, so in, in both cases, he has to flex because he's in this third position. He's a Christian. Yeah. Right. So he has to flex either way. Um, but but the God, but no matter how he flexes, whether he uh, you know brings the bacon or not, mm-hmm. um, the gospel is not compromised. That's exactly that's right. the it key. Doesn't change the message. It doesn't change the message. And there are certain behaviors coming back to like what we were talking about earlier about like oh well where do lines get drawn? Well, the lines get drawn where the message gets compromised. I agree. Right. So like you know if to to you know use your example of being in the military, you know mm-hmm. I'm sure that like you know there's there's certain choice words that you know that might be used foul language that might be used in that context that we're not necessarily going to use so so like you know in order to win that group are we going to you know do something which the bible explicitly forbids no and the answer is no no right because you're because that compromises the message so in other words you're not going to sin in order to win I like, did you just age? I just, I just is, uh, right off is top. Is that a coffee cup, <laughs> coffee cup statement? That must like, be. Like, don't sin to win. Don't sin to oh. win, right? It's not worth it. Um, but, but so like we're not gonna, we're not gonna. Uh, be, and, but the reason is that like what you win someone with is what you win them to, That's right? True. So like if you win someone 
by leveraging sin in some way or compromising your trying own testimony. Trying to appeal to them with sin. Trying to appeal to them with sin, then yeah, then they're going to think, oh yeah, like no big deal. And their conscience gets seared. It gets seared in a different way. Yeah. But their conscience then gets seared all the same. That they're like, oh yeah, like it's no big deal for a Christian to like, you know, spout out F-bombs and or whatever. And then get drunk. Or, or get what? drunk or whatever. Just because, yo know, yeah, like Billy freedom Joe, Christian, freedom in Christ, Billy Joe Christian down the street does it. Like what's what's the big deal? And then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, testimonies get compromised, yeah. and and the conscience gets seared in a different way. And you get a whole bunch of quote unquote Christians, right, who haven't really had their hearts changed, but they think that they're okay. Right, 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 right. So and that's that's a danger. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's one of the key things here in First Corinthians nine. There's a flexibility in the messenger, mm-hmm. not in the message, or in that which might compromise the message. Well, let me give you one more thing uh, to think about, Dylan. This is my own personal experience. So. Um, a while ago, my daughter asked me, we were at this, um, we were visiting uh, with, uh, with family and we were, um, I think it was, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a Rehoboth Beach oh, yeah. uh, over the summer and they had a haunted mansion hmm. set up in this, uh, you know, this was one area down there, uh, arcades and other things like that. And, and Aubrey, uh, who, who seven, she asked me if she can go into the haunted mansion hmm. and, uh, uh, Renee and I, you know, I said we, we said we'd talk about it, because at first my my default would have been like, oh no, clearly not. Like yeah. that's like, like what kind of question is that, silly child? You know, <laughs> no, no. I try not to do that. Right. I try to say, don't just say no. Don't ask that question. How dare you ask that question? Never right. speak of it again. No, we're not going to go down that path. Mm-hmm. But uh, Renee and I did talk about it, and I was trying to think about like what you know, and I was trying to ask ask Aubrey, think, okay, well, what is your intention? Like, what, what do you want out of that? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your heart there about? And I try to explain to her, like, okay, honey, uh, that building is designed to scare people, it's to evoke fear, and it's going to do it using uh, grotesque and, uh, and frightening things. Um, you know, and I want you to ask yourself, uh, does that, are you glorifying God in that way? And, you know... And, uh, but you know, daddy and mommy are not against going in it with you. Mm-hmm. If you want to see it and you've thought about it and you've prayed about it and you still believe, yep, I want, I want to experience that. Um, uh, we'll do it with you. Now, uh, eventually the next night she changed her mind and said, you know, no, I don't think, I don't think, I don't want to do it, daddy. Hmm. I don't want to do it, which is fine. And, and I'm glad that she came to that decision instead of me telling her, you know, no. Now, now, you know, maybe I was wrong in that, though. So maybe it's never good to go into a haunted mansion. I, I honestly don't believe it's necessarily sinful mm-hmm. to go into a haunted mansion. Me, personally, I don't like being, uh, seeing scary films and movies like that. I have no desire to uh, engage in being frightened. That doesn't evoke anything out of me, you know? Yeah. I find no pleasure in that. And, uh, but... I'm not necessarily saying that it's wrong mm-hmm. or necessarily evil to, to I guess, go to a haunted mansion. I don't know. What? Please help me with. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think of it kind of like a, it's kind of like a scary movie, right? If you mm-hmm. you don't want to get um, get the, uh, if we're deriving joy from, let's say, gore, yeah. or or demons or you know whatever. Then, then that's that could be problematic, right? Yeah. Um, but there are some people out there who enjoy being 
getting that 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 rush or that thrill of of a little bit of fear um I've, I've actually heard one person kind of describe it like a roller coaster like i'm really mm. scared when i'm on that roller coaster but mm. boy what a rush you know it's fun um mm. so so there are some people who just really derive some joy from that and i could okay i guess it's it's possible that someone could say um you know i'm i'm enjoying this uh this film or this haunted house experience to the glory of to the glory of god um i suppose it's possible um generally not <laughs> yeah right? like yeah. so and well and the other thing too is you know when we're talking about the haunted house i mean the first thing that was going through my mind when you were talking about that was like okay if we go in and we come out it would be well of course like when we when we come out lord willing it would be like <laughs> wouldn't be that bad of a haunted house um, <laughs> that we don't die that we don't die yeah exactly but like when we come out let's talk about it exactly you know what i mean like what what did we just experience and yeah. and what did you get out of that and what did you think about it yeah. and was it? Did you enjoy it? Well, what about it? Did you like? Yep. Um, and I think those kinds of conversations can be really just revealing. And and then we put we take all that conversation in line with what Scripture says about you know the importance. Of, you know, whatever we want to do, we want to do it to the glory of God. Exactly. And and is this something that glorifies God? And there may be some aspects of it where like, oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Like when that, you know, there was this. Uh, it was in a. a like a zombie mm-hmm. kind of thing mm. where it was like, you know, was, there was, um, I don't know, a chemical spill mm-hmm. and it changed this person and they were glowing green and they were walking towards me and it, oh my gosh, what a rush. It was so much fun, you know, versus like, um, you know, here's this giant pentagram on a, on a ceiling and, yeah. and here's this, you know, devilish thing that's with like horns with horns coming at me with a chainsaw. Oh my goodness! No. You, you know what I mean. Well, I'm just making it up, but like, yeah. but you know, it's twisted mind. I know, but like, but but you you get the point where you know that kind of thing. You know, um, let's let's be careful not to like if if that's exciting to us, maybe that's not an excitement that's glorifying to God. Yeah, and right? that's a, and that's a conversation that I wanted that if Aubrey had done, done had elected to do it, mm-hmm. we'd have been like, oh, honey, we're going to talk about it afterwards. We're yeah, going to go exactly. through it and we're talk about it. And I think that you can do that for a lot of things. Yeah. Not everything, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's not. And from her perspective, she's never seen anything like that before, never experienced right. that before. So I can understand the curiosity. And, you know, would I apply that same principle to, let's say, drug use? No. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if one of my children's like, hey, dad, let's try heroin, what do you think? I'm like, uh, I'm not going to go to her and say, you know, we'll do it and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Right. Uh, exactly. No. How about no? Yeah. You know, so. So obviously it doesn't, that kind of um, principle doesn't work. And but, but why there, right? So like what's, like in my mind, when you say, okay, no, we're not going to apply that same standard to heroin. You know, like I had a conversation with a with a, a brother in Christ who is trying to get me to say that, you know, we could, you know, go to a strip club and mm. go into the strip club in order to try to win. To evangelize. To, to evangelize, right? Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, well, and I was just like, but but this is why, right? Because there there is a line that says, you know, we are not going to indulge in sin in order to win someone over or in order to like have that conversation, mm-hmm. right? So if there's something like a haunted house that there's, you know, quote unquote, well, what, what do we mean by haunted, right? If we're talking about mediums and contacting spirits and if that's the expectation, maybe yeah. you don't go in knowing that that's going to be there. But if it's like, you know, I don't know, somebody dressed up in a in a scarecrow outfit mm-hmm. and jumps out at you or something like that, then yeah, fine. But then we talk about it after. So yeah. the reason you... You allow one and not the other is because there's no there's no explicit expectation that 
that this is this is going to this is intrinsically sinful. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas yeah. something like you know uh, drug use or, or you know going not being to a in control of yourself, going to a brothel. Yeah. You know. I it, mean, it's true. Jesus hung out with the sinners and the prostitutes, but he didn't go to the brothel. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know. So there's. He's not himself indulging in sin. That's exactly he right. He may hang out with sinners. And, and he's not and, even encouraging the sin. And either. he's not encouraging it either. Exactly right. Exactly right. So that's a that's a lesson for us. Like we we want to hang with sinners. We want to hang with the, the tax collectors and, and the prostitutes to try to win them over to Christ. That doesn't mean that we ourselves, in order to flex, yeah. compromise our testimony yeah. and go on sinning. It's just like if someone, a friend of mine were to invite me to their house for a seance or for a Ouija board activity, I would I would say, no, I'm not going to go there to event. I'm not going to be like, well, you know what? I'll go there. Um, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm free in Christ. I, maybe I'll have a chance to evangelize them. No, there's other opportunities. Maybe, in fact, you say, you know, how about you come to my house? You know, come yeah. over to dinner. How about this? But I'm not going to go for the purpose of having this seance right. to try to, I guess, sneakily get in there mm-hmm. and subtly submit uh, uh, the gospel to them uh, and almost kind of... Um, deceive them if you will yeah in that way so um yeah i think that's just kind of what i was getting at with those with those passages um and i i, I think that should be hopefully somewhat helpful uh, what other thoughts do you have on on this anything like what else should we cover on this particular topic well i mean I, I would just say look at the end of the day if you if you're out there as a brother or sister in christ and you're listening to this and you're like yeah but you know halloween just still kind of trips me up and i'm just like, all right, freaks me out. I'm just not a fan. It's not for our family. You know, praise God. Go mm-hmm. go in peace and, and, and so don't celebrate it, right? Like, mm-hmm. if it offends your conscience, you should not do it. Because it, the, the conscience is so, mm-hmm. so important to preserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot overstate that. Um, if this is something about which, you know, you don't really have a, a conscience about, um, then then and you feel like you have this flexibility and and you and the freedom and and the maturity yes. to to kind of try and discern okay this is something that is um is sinful activity and so i know where to draw lines right mm-hmm. so if you if you feel com- comfortable drawing some of those lines biblically um then yeah i'm, I'm not going to throw stones at someone yeah who and i think a couple other things to avoid so avoid like if your conscience is quote unquote weak as Paul would say, the weaker brother. If it, if, it, if it bothers you, though, don't impose that necessarily on someone who doesn't have that same conviction. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is, that's um, a good one. Yeah. Like, yeah, if I struggle with going on on trick or treating, I am not going to condemn you and your family for going trick or treating, unless, of course, you started engaging in sinful behavior. But then I would only address the sin, not. Um, the fact that you're going uh, trick-or-treating. And in the same way, the stronger brother, quote-unquote, can't or shouldn't flaunt, as, as Paul says, uh, that freedom in front of or dangle that in front of the weaker brother saying, hey, look what I can do, uh, and you can't do this uh, uh, kind of thing. So there's obviously a balance. And like you said, I, there are always lines, and you have to be able to draw those lines with discernment. Would you say that's, that's fair then? Yeah, yeah, totally would. Totally awesome. would. Cool. Well, I think what we're going to do, well, let's go ahead and close it out with our proverbial challenge of the day. Challenge yeah. of the day. Challenge, challenge of the day. day. And then uh, I cannot hit any kind of note for... <laughs> well, you're not, on the, you're not on the singing team. That's you know? true. And praise God. You're, that way. Yeah. And uh, that is, everyone is grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Absolutely. Eric is in the hot seat. 
uh, this morning. Yeah, and it's a little warm. Yeah, it's a little bit warm here. But uh, what we're going to uh, look at this af- actually afternoon now, what we're going to look at is Proverbs 22. Oh, big one. Verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Seems fitting. Granted, we got a lot of kids and you know, yeah. a lot of implications for raising our kids, kids going out for Halloween, trick-or-treating. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, right. he will not depart from it. What, is, what, right. do you, what does That's that mean? Right. So, so, yeah, so Halloween, dress them up in a dressing, and they, <laughs> when they're old, they'll keep wearing that. Yeah, that exactly. Outfit. No, no. Keep the same outfit on keep for years. Keep the same outfit for years and years. <laughs> no. So, okay, great uh, proverb. Let's see if I can tackle this one uh, in the time we have left. So, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay, applying the uh, proverb uh, hermeneutic, understanding that uh, proverbs are generally true and they are are, are general guidelines and not uh, uh, true in every single possible instance that there could ever be. The principle behind it here is that we as parents, when we train up a child, our children, in the way that they should go, so the implication, the assumption here is we have God's word as the standard. And we are to train up our children in the nurture and mission of the Lord, as uh, as Paul says in his letters. Uh, and the idea being that even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, real clearly, training in the younger years leads to, in general, fruit in the older years. And, and you can apply that, certainly, spiritually, okay, uh, discipling the child, discipling our, our children, training them uh, on Scripture, preaching the gospel to them on a regular basis, show, modeling for them what it means to worship God, what it means to pray, what it means to, to love God and love neighbor. And um, the, in general, when that child grows up, they will clearly have learned from that, no doubt. And and you could apply that also in other areas of life. Um, one could even just use like mathematics or just general self-disciplines as far as teaching them, like, this is how you make your bed. This is how you brush your teeth. This is how you, how you read books. This is how you study. All these things, the more, the, what you do when the child is young, that, that sinks in and that settles, and that will bear fruit later on in, uh, in life. Uh, but, of course, this is talking about morality, not departing from a way that he should go, uh, and so the question always comes up, does this guarantee that the children of believers will grow up to be believers? And uh, Does I, grace run in the genes? Does it run in the genes? <laughs> Can you make it happen? Mm. And the answer is... Drum roll. Drum roll. Nah. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. Because we believe... Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And, and that is a gift. Mm-hmm. It is not of ourselves. Anyone should boast. So grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. And uh, it is really in God's hands whether any person, young or old, would be raised to spiritual life. Um, and we do know that Jesus uh, said several times that um, he did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He That daughter will be divided from uh, against mother and father against son. Um, I think it is a amazing blessing when entire families are Christian and know the Lord. 
I, I don't know if that, that might be more of the exception than the rule. It's hard to say. But, uh, would you say that there's covenant blessing to being raised in a Christian home? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I would say, I think it's just, yeah, we could call it covenant blessings, uh, certainly. <laughs> can of worms, but yeah, can but of yeah worms. no, I think but, we can I mean, say that. For someone to be exposed to God's Word... Yeah, exactly. ...from a young age all the way till they're adult, yeah. that's a blessing. It's a huge, yeah, definitely. Now, at the same time, though, as parents, we need to make sure we don't over put pressure on ourselves to say, if they don't confess faith, I have failed. Right. No, because your job is to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And let God grow. Let God produce uh, 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 yeah, the, the fruit there. So, but be faithful. Train up, you know, do something. Train up a child in the way he should go. And in general, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. No, so I, I really like that's, that. That's One of the things is just like yeah. what you said when, you know, we we as parents are like to be faithful and then God gives the increase, you know, Lord willing. We, we pray, you know, for our kids and that they would grow up to be believers. I think one of the things that I like here is that, you know, as parents, we are kind of setting the cadence mm-hmm. of, of, of life. So like there's so much in, in kids, like I'm starting to watch, you know, our daughter's about eight and a half months, almost nine months old now. And she is like watching me more like intentionally, right? Before she was just like, look all over the place. And now she's like, her eyes are on me and her <laughs> eyes are on her mother. And like, she's watching what we're doing, even at this age. You know what I mean? So it's like, we are setting, we, we are teaching her things. There's so much in, in kids that's, that's caught rather than just taught. That's true. You know what I mean? Like they're, we're setting a cadence for life, whether it's in, you know, family prayer or devotions or, or, or how we handle different, you know, maybe difficult conversations or yeah. how we handle, you know, difficult things as they come up in life or, or how we celebrate good, th- good things in life. Um, our kids are watching how that happens. And so there's this, there's a training, it's, it's, there's a pedagogy to being a parent that's inevitable, yeah. right? And so the kids are watching that. Um, so I think, yeah, that's exactly like you said, like there's, there's this element of, as, as a parent, we are called to be faithful mm-hmm. and to train up our kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Yeah. And then the Lord himself will, will grant that Lord willing eternal security to to our children as they profess faith. And your daughter is watching to see what you're going to wear for Halloween. For Halloween, she is. She's, She's like, Daddy, where's that Luther costume? Or Thor. Or Thor, yeah, maybe. Or well, Iron Man. Hardly. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think I think Emily wants to go as baristas, and then we would have Brielle as a little fra- baby Frappuccino. That's I think, clever. I think that's going to happen. Oh I think goodness. she caught that on Pinterest. That would be cute. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> All right. So anyway, this has been Two Guys in the Bible. Uh, listen, we love, love, love getting feedback and we love hearing from y'all. So uh, please feel free to reach out. We love getting emails. Uh, feel free to email us with questions, comments, feedback. Two Guys in a Bible. That's uh, spelled out T-W-O, guys in a Bible, dot podcast at gmail.com. Two Guys in a Bible, dot podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the number two, two guys in a Bible. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash also the number two, the number two, two guys in a Bible. Um, and with that, oh, oh, one more thing. Also, hey, we love, love, love getting feedback. One of the great, a great way to give us feedback is by leaving us comments anywhere that uh, the podcast gets downloaded or uh, leaving us a review or a rating. Uh, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah. Leave us, even if it's one star, we appreciate the honest feedback. <laughs> one star. Um, we love the fives too, if uh, if you're feeling so inclined. Um, and also leave a comment. I mean, that's, that's we, we do yeah. look at that stuff. So um, that would be fantastic. So with that, uh, my name is Dylan Keniston. I've been here this afternoon with uh, the venerable Eric Leupold <laughs> and signing off. All right. God bless. God bless. God bless.